and welcome to the Fishnets and Phantoms podcast, a horror and genre movie and media podcast from a post-punk perspective. This is your host, Amy Shofsrain. This is the podcast for May 13th, 2020. Wait, wait, what? This isn't May? This is not the 13th? What kind of eldritch horror has descended upon us and distorted my perception of time itself? Is it June-tober? Or maybe April-July the 6th, 17th? Do I even know which way is up or uh, which way is down? Did I ever? Well, now come to think of it. Huh. Not so much. There's way too many pretty shiny things in the world to know things like dates and times and responsibilities and well also everything everything's just messed up man um yeah the world has gone crazy in the last couple months and well i went crazy with it and ran and hid so you may have noticed that in this realm beyond time and space known as well tuesday and or 2020 the year that never happened or well the year that we could have done nicely without happening, some odd things have been going on. Uh, it's as though the Pookas and the Pixies have emptied all their pockets to bring us some phantasmagorical happenings. I suppose they would like to give us some much-needed distraction from the, quite frankly, distressing, really real world and the news of the day. So, that said... Here is our News of the Weird and Wonderful section of the podcast, which I guess I should also call to today. Number one in our News of the World, (laughs) News of the World, News of the Weird, a gross of grackles. Apparently, in an unnamed Texas town, hundreds of grackles, medium-sized blackbirds that kind of look like crows, not actually very much, other than that they're both black. But anyways, hundreds upon hundreds of blackbirds descended on a Walmart parking lot where they were mistaken for crows, of course, because they're blackbirds. And their impromptu avian cosplay of Hitchcock was captured on video. This is posted on the Fishnets and Phantoms group page on Facebook. I personally found this, ah, is it a murmuration? Murmuration of grackles? Or is that just for swifts and swallows? Um, well, we're going to call it a murmuration of grackles, or a graduation of grackles? Eh, I have no idea. Fascinating and quite beautiful. Though, it seemed to be disconcerting disconcerting to the girls filming the happening. Happening? Effect? Uh, anyways, lots of pretty blackbirds flying around. And it, it was definitely a large murmuration, or a large group of grackles. Um, just kind of made the sky black for a little bit. Anyways, that uh, seems a bit apocalyptic, and, you know, we are a little bit surfite on um, apocalyptic signs right now, and could really do, do without them. Number two in our news is El Gato Goes South. Well, meh, south is good, north is good, east and west are good, too. Diagonal's also good. I like Diagonal. Diagonal's fun. So, regulars to our Facebook page and group, the pop art 
artist, the pop art artist, the pop artist El Gato Gomez is a familiar sight. I almost said that El Gato Gomez's face is a familiar sight, but Miss Gato's face is unknown at this time as she leaves that into the land of mystery. And she's a woman of mystery. Her paintings of aliens, universal monsters, maenads, mermaids, and very mischievous and somewhat malevolent at times, cats, are always delightful. Until quite recently, Miss El Gato Gomez's art was available on eBay, along with prints, cards, and miscellaneous other things from her store. As of a few days ago, however, if you want to purchase her work, as you should, you have to go to the Big Cartel site to do so. Her page is located, simply enough, at elgatogomez.bigcartel.com. Go buy her prints, go buy her paints, paintings, I should say. Her stuff is original, unique, and how often do you actually get a living artist's artwork that you can hang on your wall? Much less a very funny living artist who does mashups of universal artists and punk bands, as well as some Scooby-Doo. I forgot some of the other things she does. She does some awesome, crabby Christmas cats, uh, destructive as can be, um, and a lot of protest art too lately, with some cats who definitely did not want you to ask them to smile. So pick up El Gato Gomez's original artwork at bigcartel.com. The current situation with COVID and all of the people out of work has been especially hard on artists and musicians. So if you happen to have a couple extra coins jangling around in your pocket, please feel free to spend them on art and music. They really need your help because, especially if you're musicians, they rely on touring and they rely on getting out to see everyone and if they don't have that they just they can rely on their music sales but unfortunately music sales have really gone down ever since the streaming services have started I watched an interesting oh what is it the, some dude ruins everything Kevin ruins everything I don't remember anyways um, talking about that and it was extremely depressing I have an nephews in bands and yeah they assure me that having a record contract is not a thing anymore <laughs> um there's a couple of very small houses that do things independently but they mostly rely on things like patreon and if you want to support them please go ahead and please support your artists because they also can't have shows and don't get walked by um spur the moment pickups anymore either so yeah go support your local artist so to be a bit of a downer the next news set is sad news within the past few months we have lost quite a few media personalities and I'd like to send out my wishes that they rest quietly and well and for their families in remember remembrance of Grant Imahara from Mythbusters he was 49. Ennio Morricone, who's a movie composer, mostly known from his Good, the Bad, and the Ugly soundtrack, but 
many, many others. He was 91. Comedy giant Carl Reiner passed recently at 98. He's the father of Rob Reiner. Director Joel Schumacher, director of Lost Boys and several other movies that we've all seen and loved and hated, <laughs> but also loved. Um, director was 80 at the time that he passed. Um, actor Ian Holm, who played the robot in Alien and Bilbo Baggins in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. He passed at age 88. Little Richard, the musician, also passed at age 75. He was the composer of Tutti Frutti and Good Golly Miss Molly. And he was one of the, I would say, first rock and roll artists, rock and roll in the sense that we ended up knowing it. And um, finally, for this particular memoriam section, uh, the veteran actor Max von Sydow, who passed at 90. Uh, he was seen most recently in The Force Awakens, but he's been in many, many movies, including The Exorcist and several others. So my feelings go out to their families, and hopefully they're all resting well. Okay, so number four in our list of news is actually kind of good, kind of bad news. So with the strict rules of social distancing in effect now around the world, a number of events had to either be canceled or go virtual. This ends up, in a way, benefiting the rest of us, actually. Nerds who do not have the money to go to attend these events in person sometimes are able to see more than they normally could see of these events. And that is the case with the mega giant, incredibly awesome, and oh my god, I'd always wanted to go and never could. But in a day or two, I will be able to go online and see the panels at the San Diego Comic-Con. Beginning on July 22nd on the San Diego Comic-Con website, you'll be able to see several of the panels and, I don't know, pretend that you're there. <laughs> you can cosplay in your own home. Well, now, I was going to add a bit in here about how whale sharks have teeny tiny teeth on their, yes, on their eyeballs for protection in the deep sea. But, really, we need some happiness and some normalcy. So let's just end with the happy news about being able to see the panels at Comic-Con. I mean, I'm not even going to mention that there has been an increasing interest in finding the so-called ninth planet. Yeah, okay, it used to be the tenth planet until deGrasse Tyson and friends got a hold of Pluto. But, you know, and I wasn't even mentioning murder hornets. Did you notice that? I didn't even mention murder hornets. That's just right out. And I didn't even mention that both Nick Cave and Einster Zende Neubatten concerts were canceled, and I am somewhat heartbroken about that. Okay, quite heartbroken, because it was going to cost me an arm and a leg, but I was going to be able to see some of my favorite bands that I thought I would never see. Oh, well, uh, if, if you could see me now, I'm putting my 
hand to my forehead in despair. All right. Now that concludes our news of the world and news of the world. News of the weird and the wonderful for this April July edition, April I of the Fishnets and Phantoms podcast. And now the last episode we did was an all poetry one. I asked people at that point to send in any goth, dark, creatures of the night, holidays besides Halloween, Samhain, and Friday the 13th. Other responses I received, they were mostly festivals. And the most obvious one was World Goth Day, celebrated in the shadows by the International Goths on May the 23rd. Now, this is a very new holiday, obviously, and it was begun in 2009 in the UK. Also, there is the Whitby Goth Weekend in the UK in Whitby, North Yorkshire, which can, which of course is canceled, like, you know, everything else this year, because this is the non-year year. Uh, you can find out more about this festival at the Whit- Whit- the, the, at www.whitbygothweekend.co.uk. Also, there is the huge festival known as Wave Gothic Treffen, and that is held in Leipzig, Germany. This Treffen, or meeting in German, has been going on since 1991, with over 150 bands playing, many, many vendors and attendance of 18,000 to 20,000 goths and people who are interested in the scene. I have always wanted to go to this. I know several people who have gone, but alas and alack, I have never been able to make it. Perhaps in the future, because, well, you know, we can't do anything, so hopefully I can save up some money. In the U.S., there is also Convergent, which has held in different cities around the country. I will post a link to a Wikipedia page listing all of these various conventions and festivals. Finally, there's at least two more actual traditional spooky holidays that I totally missed. The first one is Krampusnacht, which has a healthy blend of silly and scary. This is celebrated in Europe, mostly Northern Europe, and increasingly also in the USA on the night of December 5th, where good little children receive stockings of treats from St. Nicholas and the bad ones are told that they will be taken by the Krampus, a horned goat-like fellow who gives them coal and tickles them with its long, snake-like tongue. Of course, this festival has become a fun, sarcastic celebration with much drinking and much food. I went to the festival last year, and it was hilarious. I have to admit that it was great. It was a lot of fun. The other observation that I found was Walpurgisnacht, beginning on the evening of April 30th and ending on the evening of May 1st. This is another holiday celebrated mostly in Northern Northern Europe. It is the eve of the Saint's Day of St. Walpurgia, who was a saint who was a healer and also battled witches. Now, legend has it that the witches took offense to all the pilgrims and celebrations of St. Walpurgia, and so began the celebration of Hexenacht, 
on the high peak of Brocken in the Hartz Mountains in Germany. Pilgrims still travel to St. Walpurgis, burial, St. Walpurgia's burial site in Eichstadt. Walpurgis Nacht is featured in Bram Stoker's Dracula's Guest, which was a short story written as a bit of a prequel or a side story to Dracula, where an un- unnamed traveler was warned against traveling on Walpurgis Night and decided to defy the local townspeople and travel anyways. Now, in the movies and further tellings of Dracula, this unnamed traveler is often con- con- convoluted, conflated, conflated with Jonathan Harker, and it is the very beginning of the story when he is taken on a wild carriage ride through the mountains with a somewhat greedy and somewhat mad carriage driver, and then left on the side of the road to be picked up by a mysterious dark man. A few submissions of Spooky Holidays. Here's the rather obvious, that I say so myself, holiday of the Day of the Dead and or All Souls Day, which was submitted by the inimitable Philip Perrone of the Dark Discussions podcast. This movie is probably best known in wider American culture because of the wonderful movie Coco by Disney that follows the journey of young boy Miguel through the land of the dead. And there he is able to meet his relatives and find out that they are always with him in some form, that they are looking out for him in their spiritual forms and They also are looking after him in the forms of the spirit animals that guard everyone. And I would like to be able to pronounce this name. I don't think that I can. I'm going to try. So I apologize to anyone that speaks Spanish well. (laughs) I believe it's Zoloitzkuente. I'm sorry. Uh, But they are very beautiful spirit animals that are usually depicted in brightly colored statues that are put on the altars that are made by families to honor their, their dead and their ancestors from years gone by. Even though it has the word dead in it, it's not exactly a spooky holiday um it is a very sweet holiday it's it's very sweet and beautiful especially if you see the movie coco you will understand that it's about your family getting together and remembering those that have gone before and uh there's ceremonies where people go and basically have picnics at the grave sites of their families and laugh and and have like little picnic dinners and talk about all the wonderful times that they had with the people and their lives and so yes so that is I think possibly the sweetest spooky season celebration that there is um see uh Phil Perone actually had a plethora of days that fit into the spooky celebrations he included 
times such as the solstices, winter and summer, and the equinoxes, equinoxi, um, as well as the three nights around the full moon, which I suppose is especially spooky for the werewolf type. But anyways, if anyone else has other spooky holidays, spooky celebration times, please feel free to mention them on the Fishnets and Phantoms group page on Facebook or on the actual page on Facebook. The Fishnets and Phantoms group has probably got more traffic than the actual page page. Page page? Page page. But... Yeah, I look forward to your comments and responses. So I just actually, breaking news over the wire, it turns out that esteemed writer and minister, Peter Laws, is going to have his own podcast. So we're going to have to find out a little bit more details on that and promote Peter Laws' new podcast because he's a funny and interesting gentleman. And I welcome him to our podcasting community. So, finally, moving on to movies. You know, strangely enough, this podcast is ostensibly about movies, so I suppose I should mention a few. As I've alluded to, your friendly, eh, feedly, feedly friendly podcast host has been a bit mentally confuddled lately with the, oh, worldwide viral existential crises going on, and high strangeness of nothing and yet seemingly everything happening at once. Not to mention the continual reminders that humans are kind of jerks um, that have been happening lately that I'm not going to go into because this is an entertainment podcast. But, you know, I have a lot of opinions, and if you're my friend, you can see them on Facebook but those would be close friends. And, yeah, so anyways, humans are jerks, and there we have it. Okay, so because of all of this, all of this confondulation, confuddulation, craziness, strange days indeed, most peculiar, honey, I haven't been paying as much critical attention to movies as I often do. Now, I have seen a fair amount of the new movies coming out, and here are a few that I may go into further on future podcasts, but here is a uh, lowdown wrap-up, I don't know exactly how you would phrase it, on five of the movies that stood out in my mind that I watched recently. Number one is a movie that I had wanted to see for quite some time, and I had planned a spectacular multi-podcast episode on, but I didn't actually get around to it because all my creativity just went swoosh into the air as things went farther and farther downhill, and my anxiety decided to crawl out of its deep, dark well and sit in my head screaming. <laughs> but, you know, as they say on Japanese roller coasters now, make sure you scream only in your heart. Okay, so the first movie is The Lighthouse, which is a 2019 movie. 
This movie concerns two isolated men working in a remote lighthouse around the turn of the 19th century. It is a beautiful, like, achingly beautiful, and yet extremely disturbing movie. Well acted by William Defoe and Robert Patterson. The movie is very, very good, and I could go on for ages about it and about the symbolism and about the beauty of the craft work of the set, how all of the clothes were period and down to like the underwear and the perfect buttons, etc., etc., how they created their own lighthouse because there wasn't a lighthouse that looked correct. Highly recommend the movie, but at the same time, I warn that it is a very, very male movie. Um, not actually, there are no females other than the mermaid, which I guess is female. Um, she had female secondary sexual. Um, anatomy, let's say. She had boobs. Um, but, you know, other than that, um, it has to do with, like, the power struggles between the two men and yada yada yada. Going too far into it. It's just going to be a short uh, little blurb about it. But I would definitely give that movie a 5 out of 5 seagulls. Um, yep, I'm going to just make a, a random star system because, you know, hey, why not? 2020, man. Alright, the second is The Invisible Man. This is a new take on the Universal Monster Classic with The Handmaid's Tales... Um, the Handmaid's Tales? Um, Elizabeth Moss as the main character who is being menaced by her obsessive and abusive ex-boyfriend who has seemingly faked his death and developed a cyber suit that creates invisibility for him in order to stalk Elizabeth Moss. There are a lot of twists and turns in the movie and Elizabeth Moss Elizabeth Moss pronunciation apparently is a problem for me is amazing as always. She's just she's a great actress at conveying conveying a female who is smart and well-resourced at taking care of herself, still finding herself in a situation that is of extreme peril, but somehow managing to get through it. So I highly recommend the movie for Elizabeth Moss's acting. However, otherwise it is a bit disappointing because... um. It has a, cu a couple of those, you know, those scenes where you just can see them telegraphed like 90 miles or 90 minutes, I guess it would be, away. And you're just like, no, nah, come on, man, don't do that. But it is good, and Elizabeth Moss is really good in it, and the effects are very good. But I give that about a 3.5 out of 5. Five ace bandage rolls, we'll say. Five. The third movie is Underwater. This movie... It's also from 2020. Um, Underwater is a survival movie starring Christian, Kristen Stewart and Vincent Cassell. It concerns the survivors of an earthquake and an accidental, uh, let's see, structural failure in a deep water observation drilling uh, 
station in the Marianas Trench. And it kind of picks up like where most movies get start. They have like a lot of intro and so you can get into the characters. But this movie just picks up at a run. You are just pulled along just as the characters are pulled along. I think it starts out with Kristen Stewart, um, you know, getting ready for her day, and then all hell breaks loose. And um, they have to get down to the seafloor and cross a lot of the ocean floor to get to the portal that will take them up into like it has escape pods that will take them back up to the surface safely because of course they have to deal with decompression and decompression sickness and all sorts of things like that now on top of all of this there is a underwater intelligence an underwater intelligent creature that is somewhat Cthulhu-like it's got a bit of an eldritch horror itself it is breathlessly paced as the characters try to avoid said Eldritch Horror and Eldritch Horror's little minions. Um, it is beautifully filmed, and yeah, it has, like I said, it has a bit of a Lovecraftian feel to it, but it kind of falls down in the lack of character development that is necessary if one is going to just take off running. They kind of needed a little bit more meat to the characters. Oh, that's right, that's the right word, meat. Eh, a little more um, body to the characters. But in general, it's a good movie. It's, it's very exciting. Um, there's some parts where it's a little bit hard to figure out what's going on, but if you like a, a quick action movie and don't really care too much about character, this is a movie for you. Christian Stewart is very good in it, and um, she's becoming a better actress as she gets farther from her Twilight movies. I've seen her in a few things now, and she's getting pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of well-done special effects. There are a lot of uh, Fangoria scenes, um, like exploding heads and ooey-gooey monsters. And I would give this one a, an also a three-and-a-half Cthulhu's. Three-and-a-half Cthulhu monsters. All right, number four is The Lodge, which is 2020 as well. This movie was done by the team that did the disturbing movie in German language. I think it was an Austrian movie, but it was in German, called Goodnight Mommy. Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, Fiala? Uh, F-I-A-L-A. This film points out just how cruel children can be, uh, much like Goodnight Mommy. It involves a newly divorced man whose ex-wife commits suicide in a very spectacular and surprising way at the very beginning of the movie. And the man then, of course, is in charge of his children. And he, in a spectacularly tone-deaf move, decides that he is going to take them, as well as his new young girlfriend, to the family cabin for Christmas. The father decides that it would be a wonderful idea to leave the three in the family lodge and go do some work that is going to last till uh, I believe it's Christmas Eve day. So this um, will be several days of them being isolated in a cabin with no near 
civilization known near other cabins around, lodges around, and they're just supposed to get along. Um, the young woman is very fragile. Um, she's not just a, like the usual young girl that uh, older man goes after. She is the victim of a suicide cult. Um, her entire family, her whole life, was wrapped up with a cult of very extreme, extremely guilt-ridden Christianity that ended in the um, forced, eh, somewhat voluntary suicide of all members, including all the members of her family. And she's the only one who escaped. So she has a lot of PTSD issues, and she has a lot of issues about religion in general. So I don't know if anybody has noticed it, but um, Christmas is an extremely religious holiday, so this is not a good time for her probably any time ever. Now, the father is a psychiatrist that had brought her out of this cult and helped her through her return back to society. Now he's leaving, and she has no support network, and she's alone with the kids who, like I said, blame her for the death of their mom. Um, the kids intensely cruel to the soon-to-be stepmom, and she was played by Riley Keough, and she's the granddaughter of Elvis Presley, which is somewhat interesting. Unfortunately, in recent news, um, her brother, who looked frighteningly like her, their grandfather, uh, committed suicide, which, again, I guess I suppose I could go back in my um, remember remembering memory memorial set um, earlier. But um, she's played very well by Riley Kilo, um, and she tries as hard as she can to make this utterly messed up situation as pleasant as it can be. The evil children start gaslighting her and take away her meds, take away the um, take away the Christmas decorations, move things around. They fix it up so that she's hearing voices. Um, they bring up her religious past and um, guilt and shame her. And all of this uh, works beautifully well because she is a messed up lady and these children are incredibly cruel. Now, I'm not going to go too much farther into it because, you know, this is just a short summary of films that I watched, but it is a beautifully filmed film. Um, it is very slow burn and I didn't quite warm up to it as much. I know that, um, like I said earlier, the podcaster Phil Perone of the Dark Discussions podcast absolutely loved it. And I'm sorry to say that I did not quite love it as much. But I would give that one um, three campuses out of five. Like I said, it's worth the watch, but it is a slow burn and you kind of hate everybody in it. You feel bad for the the uh, stepmom, Riley Keough. You feel bad for her, but you don't particularly like her. I mean, you know, she seems okay, but you don't, like, really throw your passion in behind her. So, anyway, see that one if you're in the mood for some Christmas spookies. The last movie on my little list here 
is The Beach House, which I saw yesterday. Uh, this is a 2020 film, and the movie starts out as a seemingly banal, rich 20-somethings going to their daddy's beach house film for, you know, a little bit of sexual hijinks. Um, so two surprise guests and some undersea thermal venting later, the movie changes into a sort of a crawling zombie, deadly contagion, body-slash-creature horror movie with some Lovecraftian notes as well as a dash of, yes, the blob. <laughs> and I'm going to give that one three and a half mutant jellyfish because, you know, it's actually pretty good. It's um, not as technically well-made as something like uh, The Invisible Man, which, of course, had beautiful special effects and was perfect in every way that it can be. But it it has a, a good story to it, and the I don't know, it just really kind of brought me into the movie, and I felt very enraptured. Uh, it's not really the right word, but I felt very captivated by the story and by the actors. Yeah, so that is my little list. I might go into these movies um, further in the future, especially The Lighthouse, but. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to do a special mention of the movie Shirley, which is also a 2020 movie. It's a docudrama about a young couple that comes to live with the highly eccentric writer Shirley Jackson and her professor husband. Now, there are many truly cringeworthy scenes in this movie of creepy 1950s domesticity in the worst way as well as a messed up sexual power play for fun and drama brought on by the author onto the young wife. Um, there are just many unpleasant Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf-like scenes in the movie. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, it's hard to explain that it's just a particularly good insight into a family, a married couple full of nasty problems that they don't get divorced for, but they possibly probably should because it just it just gets kind of icky. But at the same time, it's a really good movie. The um, actors all portray their characters extremely well. Um, Shirley Jackson is, again, played brilliantly by Elizabeth Moss, who is really good at being creepy and yet still sympathetic somehow. There's also a emphasis on the male control over how a woman's mental health is handled and the incredibly dangerous negative connotations that that can carry in the 1950s and, well, honestly still till today, but it was really bad back then. I know that Shirley Jackson herself suffered greatly because of the mental health system in America, and it does, um, it does bring that into focus. Um, again, the cinematography is great. Unfortunately, it focuses on 
kind of the ickiness of the time, like the the brownness of everything, kind of smoke-filled. So, anyways, um, that movie is not really a horror movie, but it is about a horror icon, um, Shirley Jackson, who is possibly one of the 20th century's best writers. Um, she is famous for We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which was made fairly recently as well, and um, Haunting of Hill House which was remade into a series that is really very dissimilar from the book. I would recommend um, reading any of Shirley Jackson's works. And, yeah, maybe give this movie a, a watch. I would give that movie a four-and-a-half manual typewriters because it's definitely worth a, worth a watch. So this concludes this lengthy and yet quite long overdue edition of Fishnets and Phantoms. Take care of yourselves and all of your loved ones, pets, um, family members out there. Do like a ninja and wear your masks and continue to live a hermit-like existence watching Comic-Con online and, um, I don't know, wash your hands, wash your damn hands. You filthy, dirty hands. All right. Uh, take care, and I will see you on, I don't know, we're going to say the 13th of next month. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, it depends on if wonderful Brainy decides to stay in my cranium or if it goes off, <laughs> takes off and uh, runs down the street again. But I hope to see you on the 13th. Please stop on to the group page and leave some comments, leave some ideas for movies that you want to see or you want to hear uh, reviewed or talked about. Um, leave uh, mentions of favorite bands, etc., etc., etc. All right. Take care.